Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message that Tom Job gave on Christmas Eve night. That's December 24th, 2021. Merry Christmas, everybody. We hope you have a wonderful new year. So, you know what? When, well, we kind of decided that we wanted to do something kind of completely different. Um, this Christmas Eve service for the end of it. Um, no, actually, we didn't. Uh, actually, we're going to end this exactly the way we always do. We're gonna, we're at, in a few minutes, we're going to sing a song that Lee wrote for us for our choir to sing, and then we're going to sing Silent Night. because, And we're going to light candles because that is what Christians do on Christmas Eve, and it's what they're doing all around the world. And Silent Night, Silent Night is kind of like Christmas itself in the sense that it started small, but it's basically the world like what 1818 in Ober, what was it Oberton Austria this young Catholic priest always loved complicated Christmas music for Christmas Eve and about two days before Christmas realized that the organ was broken and the legend was that m- mice had eaten the reeds of it and that's probably not true. It's probably just it fl- that church flooded all the time, and it just broke. And then he didn't know what to do, and he went to the organ of this house with a poem that he had written, and he said, could you write a simple melody out of this that you could play on the guitar? And so he did, kind of wrote a country Christmas song, you know, three chords and the truth, and they sang it that Christmas Eve. And the organ repairman thought it was awesome. And he asked for a copy and he passed it around. And they wound up singing it in front of the emperor of the Prussian Empire. And back then there were a lot of like those kind of family singing groups like the Von Tropps. And one of them came to New York City and sang it in New York. And it started to spread. And Bing Crosby recorded it and sold 30 million copies, and Elvis recorded it. And there are so many versions of Silent Night on Spotify that if you listen to a different version every night, it would take you 72 years. That's true, to listen to all of them. And it's filled the world. It's kind of the way Christmas, it started small in a shepherd's field, but the angel said, this will one day bring peace on earth. This will fill the world with peace. And that's always kind of been the dream of Christmas, the hope of Christmas, that it will fill the world one day. Irving Berlin wrote a song about the dream of a Christmas, of a white Christmas where the treetops glisten and all the kids hear sleigh bells in the snow. And that one day, all your days will be merry and bright. And Bing Crosby sang that song for the very first time on the radio. And it was 80 years ago this very night. And it was 17 days after Pearl Harbor. And the next Christmas, we would have guys in the Pacific and guys in Europe. And... And they knew they were not going to live the dream of a Christmas in a Courier and Ives Christmas card like that song talked about. 
but they had the dream, and Bing said when he would go over there and sing for them, they would scream out that he would sing that song, and he would sing it, and they would cry. And it's just kind of the open dream of Christmas, is that one day Christmas is going to fill this earth with peace. I mean, the Who's carol that they sing down in Whoville, I mean, you know, without presents, without packages and boxes and bags, but they sang, Favu Fores, Davu Dores, Welcome Christmas. Here we stand, heart in heart and hand in hand. Christmas, it will always be as long as we are we. And it's just, there's something about Christmas that brings peace to the world. That's the dream and it's the hope. And probably the most well-known poet in the United States in 1865 was named William Wadsworth Longfellow. And he wrote a carol that Christmas about bells and hearing the bells on Christmas Day and their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 1865 was his saddest Christmas. His sweet wife, two Christmases before, was lighting the candle on the Christmas tree and her dress caught on fire and it exploded. And she died the next day of her burns. And about three months before that Christmas, he had heard that his oldest son, Charles, had been wounded fighting for the Union, and it turned out permanently disabled fighting for the Union Army. And the second verse goes, and in despair I bow my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong. And it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But ringing, singing loud and sweet, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail and right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It's the hope of Christmas. It's the dream of Christmas. That it's, it started small, but it's going to fill this world with peace one day. That's the same thing that Mary sang in Mary's carol in Luke chapter 1. I mean, Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, it's kind of crazy. Like, everybody just starts bursting out singing. Like, Mary went to see Elizabeth after she had said yes to the angel, and Elizabeth burst out into singing. And then Mary burst out into singing, and Zechariah burst out into singing, and the angels burst into singing, and Simeon, it's a Christmas musical, like Simeon burst out into singing. And Mary sang her carol was about, was about peace on earth and justice coming to our world. When they talk about peace, when the angels said to the shepherds in that field about peace, they probably used the word shlomo, which is the Aramaic word for shalom, which means more than people getting along. It means well-being. It means life. It means the world the way it was always supposed to be but never has been. And I believe the two principal ingredients in peace are one, joy, filling each heart because everyone realized that they're cared for by a God who is so beautiful and kind. And that joy, the second ingredient is that joy overflowing the heart so that that person just loves 
everyone. Isn't it true that if everybody in the world had a heart filled with joy that overflowed into love for everyone, so that everybody was full of joy and everybody loved everyone, wouldn't there be peace on earth today? And I think, I think normally people probably feel more than joy a certain measure of bitterness about stuff in their life and more than love. There's a lot of resentment. It seems like more than ever before. Bitterness and resentment instead of joy and love. But I think Mary was a special girl. I mean, her song for a 12-year-old is scripture packed and powerful. And she talked about the joy that she felt. My soul rejoices in God. And she sings about love that she had for people that maybe people don't normally love, for the hungry, for the humble, for the poor, and peace on earth. You know, one thing that Mary's song has in common, the carol that Mary sang, that it has in common with the Who's carol down in Whoville, and Mr. Wadsworth carol about the bells on Christmas Day, is that Mary's carol never mentions Jesus one time. Um, Elizabeth did. Zachariah did when he sang. The angels did when they sang. And Simeon did when he sang. But she didn't. I don't know if maybe she just felt saying yes to the angel. And the baby being born into the world, that everybody in their heart would be filled with such joy knowing that they have a God so beautiful and kind that he would come and live among us and that joy would overflow and fill the world with love. And there would be peace on earth everywhere. You know, I th as soon as she said yes to the angel in that quiet, small corner. She went and spent three months with her cousin. and I don't know if this is true, but I could imagine that maybe she thought about when I get home, and surely the angel will have told my parents that I'm going to be the miracle mother of the Messiah. And they would have told Joseph, and maybe when I get home, we'll have a quiet dinner to celebrate the honor that's going to come to our family. I mean, I'm going to be the mother to the king of kings. Doesn't that kind of make me the queen mother? Isaiah said that he would be the baby born, would be a wonderful counselor, the mighty God. Does that mean that in some way you could even say that I might in some way be called the mother of God? Down through the centuries, people would say it. Whether or not she thought it or said it, she might have. And then maybe she thought that after that, some rich family will offer their summer palace by the sea where I can go with my mom into seclusion until the baby's born. And then when the baby's born, there'll be a national celebration that the Messiah has come. And maybe wise men from the East will bring fireworks from China that they're inventing, we hear. 
and then, and then it'll become like the national holiday, the birth of the, of the Messiah. And if he's born in December, it'll be right after Hanukkah, and it'll be the official holiday season. And Jeremiah said that he would be a branch of righteousness. Maybe people will bring evergreen branches into their houses and decorate them every year. And the Song of Songs says he's like an apple tree, that the Messiah would be like an apple tree. And Isaiah said he'll be a light to the Gentiles. Maybe people will cut little trees down and bring them into their house and put candles on them to celebrate. And they'll be so full of joy and it'll overflow into love. And the world will be covered with peace. But when she got back, it wasn't that way. The angels hadn't told anybody else. And nobody believed that she was the miracle mom of the Messiah. Her boyfriend didn't believe it. And Joseph had probably spent sleepless nights when, when she came back and was showing. And there was no denying that he was pregnant. And he's thinking, my little Miriam... She's doing it with somebody. I don't even know. I mean, he was probably 14. I don't even know what it exactly is, but I was hoping we would discover it together until an angel interrupted his dreams and told him it's true. And nobody believed it but the two of them, and he was the only one on her team. And at, I don't know, 33 weeks, 32, 34 weeks, the emperor of the empire decreed that everyone had to go to their ancestral home. And, they, and at 35, I don't know, 33 weeks, she had to go 75 miles on a donkey. I told Maddie Cox about four weeks ago, Maddie, if you were the Virgin Mary, it would be time for you to get on a donkey and ride to Chattanooga. <laughs> and there was no place for them to have the baby because... Nobody made room for them because nobody respected them. And the baby was born in the barn. I mean, scholars say it doesn't necessarily mean that the Messiah was born in a barn. When it says there was no room in the inn, it's the same word in the original language that's used of the upper room where Jesus had the last supper with his disciples, and they say you have to know about medieval, mid-eastern mid architecture, and the bottom floor was for cooking and eating and hanging out, and the top floor was where everybody slept, and sometimes at night they'd bring the animals into the bottom floor if it was cold, and it's just that they got there late, and, the, and all the room upstairs was taken. And I have one question. Is anybody else having a baby tonight? And in the dark, and on the ground, Mary cleaned the blood and the dirt and the tears, his and hers, from his precious face. And she wrapped him in cloth. She laid him in a manger. I believe she was a brave young girl. I believe she was a special young girl. I believe she had a heart of shalom, but I wonder. I wonder if maybe in the weeks and the months when they were running for their lives to Africa, maybe 
the seed of bitterness that lives in every human heart, I wonder if it began to grow. And I wonder if the seed of resentment that lives in every human heart, I wonder just a little that if instead of love, it might have begun to grow. Nobody believed her, and nobody respected her, until she was in her mid-40s. And then when Jesus was about 30, they went together to a wedding. He with his, um, his he was with his mom, but he was with his, his new BFF, his beginner follower friends. And a wedding is a place of nothing but joy. But the supplies were about to run out. They hadn't planned good. The wine was almost gone. And Mary said to him, you've never done one. Would you please, please do a miracle? And I may be wrong, but I might hear a little bitterness in that it's time for people to know who you are. It's time for people to know who I am. And about a year later, Jesus was in a house. And he had been so full of love for those people that she had sang her song about, for the humble, for the hungry, for the poor, and how they loved him, and how he loved them. He had three followers by that time, whose name was Mary, but she wasn't one of them. And she went down there with Jesus' stepbrothers, and they were going to try to force him to come back home, because this has gone too far. Hey, your mom's outside. Hey, my mom, my brothers, my sisters are these. The ones who do the will of my father. And she went home, maybe with a seed of bitterness growing, maybe with a seed of, seed of resentment growing. We don't see her again until the day that became dark in the entire world. In John chapter 19, when Jesus was nailed to a post and a beam, and Mary knew well, as naked as the day he was born. And when her baby boy was born in the dark on the ground, he cleaned his face of dirt and blood and tears, hers and his, and wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger. And when her baby boy was dead, in the dark on the ground, she was one who helped wipe his face of the dirt and the blood and the tears, his and hers. And they wrapped him in cloth and they laid him in a and just a couple of days later, 
All the three Marys knew, but she didn't know that he was alive and that he had come back to life. And they were all starting to understand and they were telling her that the reason he had died that day is that he meant to. He came to. He was paying for all of that bitterness and all of that resentment that has ruined this world since the beginning of it. So that anyone who would trust him could have a heart full of joy knowing that they had a Savior so beautiful and kind. And then rising from the dead, he would come to live inside and give them the power, give her the power, give us the power to love everyone out of a heart filled with joy to have a Savior so beautiful and kind. And Mary became special. And you become special. And I become special. The day we realize that we're normal. But Jesus loves us. You know, there, a woman that I just have loved forever, it's a woman named Johnny Erickson Tata, um, she accepted Jesus in 1966 when she was a junior in high school and she dove in the Chesapeake Bay with her sister and hit a board under the water and broke her neck and became a quadriplegic in 1967. And she's been in a wheelchair ever since. But she said on Christmas in 1968 in Baltimore, and she was so down and discouraged and people were trying to help her and make her feel special. And, you know, she just felt cruddy. And then her friend said, I tell you, well, let's go Christmas caroling. So they decided to go Christmas caroling at Pennsylvania Railroad Station because it has gigantic ceilings and it echoes like crazy. And there were very few people there and she and all of her friends and they sang Christmas carols as loud as they could. And when they got to the end of Joy to the World, the security officer said, all right, you kids, that's enough. This is not a Christmas party. This is not a church. Y'all, get out of here. And hey, you in that wheelchair, put that back where you got it. And she said, I wish I could, sir, but it's mine. Don't sass me, missy. He said, put that back where you got it. She said, no, really, it's mine. I can't walk. He said, oh, well, whatever. Well, y'all get on out of here. And she, she, she said she went home with the greatest joy, knowing that for, for just a moment, she felt like a normal girl that Jesus loved. Isn't it true that if everyone in the world believed in Jesus and had a heart filled with joy to have a Savior so beautiful and kind. And that joy overflowed so that everyone in the world loved everyone in the world out of a heart filled with joy for having a Savior so beautiful and kind. Wouldn't there be peace on earth tonight? It starts small. Maybe... Maybe it starts smaller than Mary conceiving Jesus in her womb. Maybe it really starts 
when you and me receive him into our hearts. Are you bitter tonight? On Christmas Eve? Are you resentful? You don't have to be. You could have the best Christmas ever. And it would start very small with a tiny prayer that says, Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart. From the garden to the gate From the cradle to the from our past.